welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. Today, we are discussing Season 5, Episode 17, Deus Lex Machina. Rejoining us for the podcast today, after a long hiatus, is Alan Yu, and we'd love to hear what you think of the season so far. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, I finally caught up with all the episodes. This is a kind of a fun season so far. I at first did not like the Obsidian North plotline quite as much, but this has become quite enjoyable. It's nice to uh, see Julie Gonzalo. Um, I first saw her on Veronica Mars, and it's nice to see her um, on TV again. John Cryer is having a lot of fun playing Lex Luthor. He's a, he's a very <laughs> good villain to follow, so... Definitely a nice change after rain. So, yeah, it's been actually a pretty solid season thus far. Well, if you didn't entirely like the first part of the season, it's okay, because that universe doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Okay, well, if everyone's ready, let's dive into this specific episode. David, can you give us a recap and remind us what happened? Most of this episode is a recap. We see post-crisis Earth Prime from Lex's point of view. Lex uses his memory from Earth-38, future knowledge from Wynn's Legion ship, and good advice from Earth Prime's Lillian to turn Eve into a double agent, create the Obsidian Platinum Coma Bug, and have Eve stop it from getting fixed, give Amy the gauntlets to attack Obsidian North, control William's contacts, kill Margot, and get closer to Leviathan. But when Lena shows Kara some sympathy, we see Lex's greatest weakness, as he has Eve kill Alex and Kara's dad, manipulates Lena to hate Kara again, talks Gemimne into trying to kill Supergirl, and brutally betrays Eve's love. Okay, he would have probably done that anyway. (laughs) His Kryptonian-hating vindictiveness is going to lead to his downfall, I'd say. Oh, and McGann shows up to help deal with the Sun Eater. Yep, Uh, it was a very active episode, but a lot of it was just recapitulating things from Lex's point of view, but I enjoyed it. A few more things turned out to be Lex's fault than I had actually thought they were. (laughs) That is the thing that amazed me the most in this episode, is not only were all of the things that we figured Lex probably did, Lex did them, all of the things we didn't think Lex did, he also did those. Because we never assumed that he was actually at fault for all of the coma bugs and the bugs not getting fixed and all of that stuff. But it was also Lex, and that blew me away. (laughs) For being a 25% clip show uh, with gratuitous use of previous episode content in Windows, (laughs) I loved this episode. And uh, this was Melissa Benost's first uh, time directing, I think. Mm -hmm. I just really was happy with this episode. It is kind of ridiculous, but it was just Yeah, I really enjoyed how everything was woven together. But of course, for me, a lot of this happened months and months ago. (laughs) So it was like, oh yeah, that happened. For you, Alan, uh, seeing everything pretty much fresh, how did it all flow flow for you? It flowed pretty well. I agree, it's very well stitched together. And yes, it was mostly a recap. And I know that sometimes uh, shows do that as kind of uh, filler, but I didn't feel like it here uh, because, and again, I will say this um, is elevated so much by John Cryer having so much fun playing Lex Luthor. I think <laughs> it's actually interesting how 
like when he's playing Lex trying to be manipulative, he seems both convincing, uh, but also it's transparently very fake what he's doing, and he manages to play that very well. So that was that was fun. And again, I mean, the only thing that he was really lacking was a mustache uh, to twirl. <laughs> I did enjoy the hallway with the magazine covers all with his head and his head looks extra big in those covers. <laughs> but no, I, I, th- I thought this was great. It uh, really allowed uh, John Cryer to showcase his acting and I would assume that has to be why Lex is so prominent in this because, you know, he's a good villain but he's written well and, you know, the actor is having a a, a genuine great time playing him. He's had a strong presence through the season but, uh, of course, nothing like tonight where it was all about him. My wife reminded me and I have to say I still have difficulty seeing Ducky from Pretty in Pink. (laughs) Let's see, the first movie I ever saw him in was Hiding Out. (laughs) But everything about his performance in this, I think, was really good. I have an issue that we will get to as we go through the episode with Lena, as we often do. (laughs) But what I really liked in just this initial scenes, as we see sort of the first day uh, post-crisis, is we see this conversation between Lex and his mother, but it's the Earth Prime mother. And it's sort of what the Luthers could do if they didn't spend all of their time fighting Kryptonians. And she's on the other side of that. And this conversation, which is what leads to so much success, and it just beautifully sets up that first half of this episode of Lex making progress and being his awesome evil self. Yes, absolutely. I really, really enjoyed Lillian in this episode. She was pretty awesome. She was on point. She uh, was looking at the larger picture all the time, and she uh, managed to get Lex to see, at least for a little while, that he had been focusing on the wrong things. She was calm and controlled, whereas, you know, well, she had been calm and controlled, but hiding, that was a lid over a bubbling rage before. (laughs) Here it just seems to be calm and controlled and trying to consolidate power. Right, but not boring. Just because she liked that rage did not make her boring. She was still quite fun to watch. Yeah, this feels like a more powerful Lillian. Yeah, she was great. I, you know, this Lillian Luther loves pink, apparently, and so she has a, a very nice outfit to match the decor in her office. And I also liked how there was such a strong contrast between her and Lex. I think Lex, as someone who considers himself sort of this rational super genius, and here, the contrast between what Lillian was saying and what Lex was saying really points out how irrational Lex's hatred uh, and obsession with Kryptonians is. I like, you know, her line, in this planet, Luthers are (laughs) cool-headed. It also is a strong contrast between uh, Lex partnering up with Brainy because Brainy, again, is the epitome of kind of cool-headed logic. And it shows that, you know, for all of how Lex fancies himself this sort of above-it-all rational genius, he really is, you know, just petty and obsessive just in a very particular way and yes i think that that is probably what will become his eventual downfall i like the initial line when lillian is serving tea not poisoned this time i don't think 
and uh, Lex says, no sugar. She responds, that's my boy. I assume they're just making it very clear that the Luthers are not sweet people. I agree that they clearly know in this show that Lex's greatest weakness is, exactly as Lillian says, his inferiority complex over a pair of hokey heroes in blue tights. (laughs) And that is it. Right. Well, his greatest nemesis is himself. You know, not only his obsession over the uh, Kryptonians, but also the totally gratuitous tearing down of Eve before he was done with her. When she told him, you know, that she wanted them to be a couple, he could have put her off much more easily. He could have just stopped after saying, you know, I can't let myself be distracted this time. But no, he had to show her that he wasn't saving his, her mother, he was threatening her instead, and, oh, by the way, I set you up to be the killer of Supergirl's dad. And he had been manipulating her perfectly well through promise of or implication of future rewards, and he just threw it all away. I don't know if he just enjoyed showing her the knife and then twisting it in her, or if He has some kind of fear reaction to the threat of intimacy that made him want to squash her. I think this is back to his inferiority complex. He failed in the other world with her, so he has to not only win instead of being beaten by her like that, but he has to put it in her face. Okay, so you're saying it's revenge for 38 Eves working for Leviathan after all? But that was a betrayal of Lena, wasn't it? Not a betrayal of Lex? She was working with him too. Both, I guess. She betrayed him too. Okay. I don't even know if I consider it a revenge. I mean, certainly that's valid, but I I think it's more of a externalization Uh, that he needs to be able to tell someone, ha, I beat you this time. Hmm. He just can't hold back. He needs to be on top and he needs people to know that he's on top. And this is going to be disastrous for him. It is a horribly mean and vindictive thing to do, and it will bite him. Yeah, the first time Alex or Kara or even William Day puts pressure on her, Um, she's going to have a huge motivation to tell all and cast herself on their mercy and ask for someone to save her mom. Or she'll just kill Lex. Well, that too. (laughs) There's lots of options. The writers have a world of options. Yeah, though, if we go, I think, well, this would be the Doylest reason for a minute. Uh, I believe they're taking the last, the finale off of the season and i think i i I was watching an interview with john cryer on entertainment weekly where he suggested it might be then that uh lex will not see his downfall in this season if they take the last episode off because i think that hasn't they haven't completed all of it yet so for briefly he might end up on top until the the next season (laughs) comes back well that would be an interesting way to go (laughs) (laughs) Like what Netflix does to seasons, I will simply uh, draw the seasons where I see fit, and I will maybe just call the next episode this season. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) As long as he falls, I'm happy. Yeah, it's funny, um, leaving leaving Lex, you know, on top would be different and fun. It's also an interesting contrast. Supergirl seemed particularly cartoony. They were really, really hamming it up with the 
sun eater and she seemed very, you know, arms akimbo, <laughs> hands on hips saying, ha ha! <laughs> and, uh, and the way that Megan and Jean both said, Supergirl! As though, you know, totally thrilled that she was showing up. I suppose Melissa Benoist meant it to come off as kind of inflated that way. Well, they're flying around in space fighting a monster that wants to eat the sun. You think they deserve a little (laughs) self-congratulation? I might just cut them a bit of slack for the reality of it all. (laughs) This show frequently tries to punch above its belt. uh, So I I think they, they maybe they bit off a little more than they could chew, but hey, they had fun doing it. Yeah, fair. Oh, speaking of effects, though, do you think it was a deliberate choice to make the backgrounds for Alexa's world tour look extra fake? They were so fake looking. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've seen better Zoom backgrounds than that. It might have just been not worth their time to try and perfectly color grade it or get lighting working. Or or they just wanted it to make it feel as fake as Lex's presentation was. Like, maybe there's a Doylist reason for it. But yeah, it just looked really bad. I mean, I guess it could be just another subtle hit at Obsidian, but I don't think any of the viewers need to be convinced by this time that Obsidian is a bad idea. (laughs) True. Or that Obsidian VR, whatever they call it. Some of the uh, earlier scenes in this show also cleared up tons of little things that were bugging me before. Like when we first see uh, Lena being asleep when Lex wakes up, he drugs her, which then keeps her unconscious for some chunk of the day. And I remember back in the podcast when we were discussing why does Lena suddenly wake up halfway through the episode? And this episode explains it. Like so much of this episode is so tight Mm -hmm. for what they're trying to pull off. It is kind of shocking that Supergirl, that is generally such a, a fun and relatively lightly plotted show is doing multiple of these deep let's roll back and move it all forward and show different aspects of the plot and end up in this place where it's really complicated like we're being introduced to Eve but no this isn't the Eve we are used to this is an Eve from Earth Prime and this is Illilian from Earth Prime so you have to remember which characters are from which universe to understand the motivations like this is a remarkably complicated episode and I was just impressed how well it fit together yeah, it could have been a confusing mishmash, but um, certainly worked for me. Though I still don't understand how the monitor made that deal with Lex to get Lena back with her memory. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, for Lex, being back in, in this universe wouldn't have been as much fun without Lena to torture. Well, they needed to maintain Lena knowing because of the reasons in the previous Mm. season because it was so bad. Like, they can't reproduce that knife twist too many times. So they needed that knife twist to be remembered. Yeah, yeah. But it took me a moment saying, oh yeah, this isn't Hope Eve because Hope Eve never existed. Oh, and I missed one, by the way, that Lex also was the person behind Richard's Bates? Richards, yeah, his his control and hacking of City and Platinum to do the thing to go after his wife's lover. And all that was also uh, something Lex did. Just so much. I really enjoy the intricacy of Lex setting everything up so that other people would be at each other's throats. Instead of him just undermining people directly, he's really got a setup now where they all want to eliminate each other. And if he weren't being impatient and jumping the game, 
he would be really well set up to just watch each other, you know, destroy each other, and then he could pick up all the pieces. Ah, yes, but exactly, exactly to the second almost, halfway through this episode, we get that point where Lena goes and talks to Kara in an act of sympathy. And it is a very nice scene, and it's sort of halfway through the episode. And even the second time watching it, I looked at the time saying, I'm only halfway through this episode? <laughs> because so much has happened. And that is the turning point where it all starts to break. Yeah, but then later we get the point where Supergirl is using Myriad to to try and get to Leviathan. And Lena realizes that, and once again realizes that... Uh, Supergirl is a bit of a hypocrite. <laughs> and that's more of a problem. This is yet again, hey, look, Lena's being manipulated by Lex and is therefore turning on people who care for her. I found that just hard to watch. It's the only part of the episode I had difficulty with just because I just find it so hard to watch Lena being manipulated. And maybe even Kara could have said, I'm only here because Lex told me to. Mm -hmm. There's these windows where this is all just machinations of Lex manipulating Lena. And it's sad to see Lena react so negatively and take everything so personally that Supergirl is using Myriad just to stop Lena's experiments. Right. And that's how Lena's going to perceive it as being, you know, Supergirl acting against her Lena instead of... <laughs> Supergirl trying to stop people from having their brains fried. <laughs> yeah, and this bit also didn't work as well for me for two reasons. One, because Lena had the line that, you know, she could think of four other ways to find people other than using Myriad, where, you know, I thought that it would make more sense for Kara to say, okay, name them and I'll stop doing this and use whatever you say. And that didn't make sense for me there. And also, again, ever since Lena appeared on the show, I saw her as the smartest person, including when you have her and Lex. I don't think she's quite as hubristic and narcissistic as Lex is. And so, especially if we think of her having grown up around Lex, I my read on her is that she would kind of anticipate his schemes and that, you know, she would probably be one step ahead. So it doesn't quite fit the characterization that she would be so easily pulled around by Lex. It is probably our favorite topic on the podcast. <laughs> Being a little disappointed that the writers are making Lena so obviously easily manipulated. It is a challenge. It does not feel right, really, for what Lena was like for the first couple seasons. And uh, it just makes Lex a more powerful character unnecessarily, maybe. I have difficulty getting behind it. They're doing Lex very well, but it's still just a bit of a pity. It is a pity. I am trying to think of it as Lex having grown up in a superior position for so long that he just has all of Lena's buttons mapped out completely, even in this new universe that they find themselves in. But yeah, it, it is disappointing. We had been, you know, hoping for a long time that 
Lena would wake up and smell the coffee, but it doesn't look like they're heading that way. It's also a missed opportunity in a way because it would be interesting to have someone who is by every means uh, Lex's intellectual equal so you can see how he does against someone who is just as smart as he is but has the difference that you know she isn't quite as proud and petty and you know and and tries to empathize with people I thought that would be actually quite an interesting contrast if they could sort of build on Lena's intelligence and have her as his foil in a way but i guess we're not going to see that anytime soon lena demption is coming it's coming it has to come (laughs) well i hope you're right it's interesting that they brought up the you're assuming uh, that i'm a villain conversation yet again i would just about rather see lena go full villain than see her be the consistent dupe Back before Lex became a dominant baddie for this season, I thought that was what was going to happen, that we were going to get a Lena that is in direct conflict with Supergirl, and she would be the, ba- be the baddie. Right, but she would be doing it for interesting reasons instead of the cardboard villains that we so often get. Yeah. Yeah, still feeling a little disappointment over how the treatment of Lena is going. It will get there. I believe. <laughs> Have faith. <laughs> I do like that we then get another scene with Lillian where Lex misses the en passant. And, and, and I really quite like how this conversation goes. Again, Lillian is obviously so in the right. Mm-hmm. But I like how the miss that Lex is making, obviously, is not just that he's slipping back into his vendetta, but... There's there's a lot of things that Lex is missing here, and it, it's it's a nice metaphor. Yeah, that was a fun scene. I guess you know, just um, again, it illustrates just how petty Lex is. I mean, you know, why why should he care so much that you know Lena and Supergirl are friends again? And again, Lillian very rightfully pointed that out. I especially uh, like how apparently for Lex, the epitome of friendship is playing Pictionary. That was fun again because just we get. You know, so often we, we, we see Lex and his intellectual superior, I'm explaining my master plan to you moments, and here we see that, you know, he, he, he still has uh, these sort of petty and obsessive moments uh, of emotion. To be fair, the show really likes Game Night and Red Wine. Yeah, I thought it was funny because I'm pretty sure that we have actually seen them playing Pictionary. If not Lena with the group, we've seen Game Night doing it. But I don't know whether Lex actually knows that or if he was just pulling a, you know, a game out at random to make fun of. Well, he has had Eve doing uh, spying on them. So so really, let's assume Lex knows everything. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is a world where Lex has an amazing network of data because Lex knows the future at least the previous future. And therefore, he has a huge amount of information such that this is like, this is going to be Lex on the top of his game because he has so much foreknowledge as to what's going on. And he just doesn't know how he's going to screw it up because he knows it, what everyone else was going to do until he acts. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the setup is for the finale and how, again, we we get to see Lex sort of trip over his own sense of ego and intelligence. Well, I think it's safe to say that evil turn on him, and it is certainly possible that 
If Lena learns enough of the details as to how Lex has been manipulating her, Lena might turn too. I don't know if they'll do that this season, but that would certainly be my hope. So at the end, when Lex was basking in, I did it my way, and then said, oh, screw it, and went to the Fortress of Solitude. Was he just being impatient and advancing his plan? Or did he just want to stomp all over Supergirl's sanctuary? <laughs> or or what? It was a little hard watching Lena take the watch because, of course, he's going to track where the portal goes. Mm -hmm. Again, it is, seems like a ridiculously easy manipulation that she won't tell him where to go, but she'll happily go there with some device he just gave her. Yeah. I think he just wanted to be there to be there. It's hard to say exactly how the, the plan will go. It's still hard to quite understand the Max Headroom equations being used to make immortals mortal uh, to try and defeat Leviathan because there are multiple fights that have to happen and they're all going to kind of happen at the same time. And we still don't know when Lena's going to turn her mind control on. And there's also that scene, Lex is playing with two mice and he picks up one mouse and the other mouse vibrates and then poofs. And I don't know if we actually have any idea why that happened. I don't know why it happened. It made me think back to Lena's non-nocere experiments where she was trying to make creatures placid and one of them yeah it, it, it had it had that feeling yeah i didn't get what the point of the mice was either i don't know does lex actually care about non no cherry i thought it was he was just using the do no harm thing as another lever to manipulate lena i do not know Maybe that's the representation of them using the mortality code. Ah. Uh, Maybe there's some connection there. Hmm. Because that's the technology he was playing with. That mouse going poof is, is pretty unexplained. So we will have to see how that looks in the later episodes of the season. Speaking of which, has anyone seen any recent articles about what's happening with the rest of this season? No, the only thing I read is that, again, that they might not have the originally planned final episode so we might be one episode short in the season certainly the next few weeks are currently lined up with episodes so t time will tell but i'm sure they will they will do the right thing and they will certainly get back to filming as soon as they can i wonder whether or not we're going to see some shows having episodes that clearly reflect the changes of rules that the productions are going to be under. Hmm. And, and we might get some very mm -hmm. strange episodes as a function of that. An episode where people are just calling each other instead of getting into the same room. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of TV shows are going to have Zoom episodes. <laughs> because how could they not? I mean, Supergirl could have everyone on different planets. And then so it would, every scene will be one actor and then it's just all green screen. And hopefully they'll have nicer green screens than they had for this episode. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a good idea with their budget. Some shows I expect will just delay. Uh, that'll be the most common. But I'm sure some shows are going to uh, play with doing other things. Yeah, I'm looking at an article from CBR.com. It says it's not written quite clearly, but either the finale or the penultimate episode will be on May 17. So I guess they may just march straight through what they have after delaying for a month. Well, the delaying would have given them enough time to, I assume, finish off most of the post-production. Right, or recut things or whatever. Hmm. So we'll see. I wanted to call out a couple more things. Yes. 
there was a conversation between Bernie and Lex where we see what I can only assume is Chekhov's pisanka, the little decorated Ukrainian egg that Lex gave Brainy. Oh, yes. I assume that has to be used for something going forward. I was looking up on Wikipedia and there's a legend that Pisankas stopped a chained serpent from destroying the world. Eh, maybe not that. Maybe it was intended as an Easter episode. I don't know. But <laughs> I'll be shocked if we don't see that Pisanka. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Again. Yeah, that scene was interesting also, again, because speaking of people who might lead to Lex's downfall, because so much of the episode, again, stresses on how irrational his obsession with Kryptonians are. So maybe Brainy will also turn on him when he realizes that, you know, following Lex serves no greater purpose except for, you know, helping Lex achieve his goals. And Brainy, again, as the symbol of logic and reason will realize that helping Lex does not benefit anyone aside from Lex. And so he might turn on Lex as well. I, I like my theory I mentioned in one of our earlier podcasts, which was that Lex actually has manipulated the brainies that are giving Brainy the information that is making him work with Lex. But without a doubt, at some point, that relationship will sour. It's currently on the edge. So I would hope to see Brainy to admit to the, everyone else, because we have him in the tower, but he didn't quite admit that he really is working with Lex to do it. And it'd be nice if we could at least get over that bit where he is a clear double agent instead of um, just being deceitful about it. Right. Yeah, it was interesting that, you know, Lex made his confession to Wynn and Wynn then just kept silent about it and went off and left, um, which I guess is a testament to his friendship and trust in Brainy, but at the same time really did leave the other team members hanging. <laughs> I want to call out one something else from the tower scene, which is was kind of nice seeing everyone in the tower. But Brainy gives us this kind of super science line. Lena wanted to use Myriad to disperse her Q-wave mind control, but if you turn it on in reverse, it will compress the Q-waves in the atmosphere. <laughs> which is about as close as this show's done to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow being a logical thing to do with science. <laughs> But hey, it fits so beautifully in the story with Lena being pissed off about Myriad that I absolutely will let it go. So we haven't had anything about journalism in the show lately, except that uh, William's original motive for getting into this was his journalism and trying to get a big story on well, originally he was trying to get a story on Andrea, but then he realized that it was the Luthers. So we have him coming in in this episode saying, hey, I have some information. I want you to help me with a story and take, you know, take people down at the same time. But I don't think we've seen Kara doing any journalism in... Nope. And based on her past record, that is an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for, Trish. <laughs> say I was wishing I was more remarking <laughs> on a change. <laughs> we did not really see any Andrea uh, in this episode, and Andrea is now been awoken as uh, Krata again in this universe. So yeah, there's there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, Day basically had his backstory rewritten by Crisis. Mm -hmm. It was the Crisis transition that made him go from going after Andrea to going after Lex. Right. And we also found out that his contacts are being controlled by Lex. Mm -hmm. So basically, he's being flung around as the plot 
requires it. He's basically going after Lex and he's being controlled by Lex. So who knows what's going to happen with him. I mean, he's supposed to be a smart guy. So hopefully, eventually, he'll realize that he's being toyed with. Not toyed with so much as just used. There's a lot of people who need to learn that they're being used by Lex. (laughs) So do you think after Lex's evilness is finally revealed, is there going to be national trauma (laughs) that their hero uh, not only has feet of clay, but is actually stone cold evil? Uh, There's two ways this can go. Because the other way is Lex becomes president. And and that is almost as likely. So it, it's it's very hard to tell. The challenge is so many people are going to be after Lex because on all sides, everyone is going to hate him uh, that it's hard to see that he will come out of this uh, sitting pretty. But it'll be very interesting to see how they write it because you can never tell with Lex. Uh, that is the interesting thing of the character is when he is not obviously his own worst enemy, he does have plans within plans, and it's interesting to see them come to fruition. Yeah, I'm having a little trouble seeing this Lex enjoying being president. He might enjoy being elected, but I really doubt he would enjoy wrestling with Congress, unless, you know, he had a secret file on every congressperson and could just blackmail them all into doing his will. Well, but on the other hand... It would be quite on brand for this show to, in these times, portray a narcissistic, self-obsessed person as president (laughs) of the United States. (laughs) But they kind of did that already. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't know they'd have to do it again, even worse. They just didn't do it badly enough the first time. Speaking of Lex and his plans, though, I I did think for a brief moment that it was odd that this version of Eve was so easily drawn to his side, because if we think of this Eve as someone who has been sort of blackmailed by Leviathan for so long and her mother was being threatened... I would imagine someone like that would grow up to be extremely paranoid and distrustful of strangers. And so it seemed, and because even before we got to the end where Lex explained his plan for uh, controlling Eve, it seemed very transparent that the fact that he pointed out that there was going to be like these ex-Mossad agents in front of her house, that that was a transparent threat that she was just trading one set of prison guards for another. Uh, and so it, it, it struck me as to why this particular version of Eve, who had been sort of blackmailed and threatened and used for so much of her life, would so easily trust a stranger who was going to give her everything that she ever wanted. Maybe she was just, you know, longing for a rescuer and he showed up as as the deus lex machina (laughs) and she just wanted to believe it so badly that she didn't question it yeah and again i i think this this goes back to um why i i like the this portrayal of lex is that it's so clearly that he's lying but he's also so convincing while he does it Mm -hmm. right well it's easy for us to know that he is just putting up a front because we've seen what's behind that front. 
I guess for other people who weren't clued in on his wicked ways, that uh, he might be a bit more plausible. I mean, some people do tend to uh, put undue trust in people who are winning economically (laughs) because uh, they think they must be doing something right. Well, this is a world where the Luthers have, for years and years and years, perfectly put on the act of the good guy. Right. This Luther being the Earth-38 kind of overly nasty, vindictive Luther who can't really control their rage is not the Luther that everyone else has gotten to know. So he really has a lot of rope to hang himself with. Yeah, it's interesting for me to think about how disappointed this Mama Luther is going to be when she realizes how how badly Lex is hoisting himself on his own petard. She got a downgrade. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she'll cut ties with him and she realizes that this version of Lex is a big PR problem for her and the Luther brand in this universe. Well, she's tried to kill him in other universes, so maybe. I actually agree with some of the points that having Eve fall so in love so easily felt a little off. It feels very much like they're just treating Eve like Eve was pretending to act in the previous seasons. And that really was an act, so it's really kind of hard to see how this Eve actually fell for it. And I I think the show just really wanted a a strong transition so that the knife felt worse going in. Yeah, and that that the moment of betrayal would happen as she's wearing a frilly apron with hearts all over it. After going to all the trouble of cooking beef wellington, are they living together? Or did he just drop by her apartment and she had just happened to cook beef wellington on the hope that he would drop by? Surely they're not living together because he definitely rejects them being a couple. I assume that she went to his place and made it there for when he returned. But uh, yes, unclear. One thing that's consistent in all the versions of all the universes is that Luther security disappoints. <laughs> All security disappoints. This is the CW. Yeah, it's a, a universe where, again, one can just waltz into the Arrow Cave or walk into Star Labs with no security whatsoever. <laughs> right, or even, you know, back to Smallville, where people just walked in and out of the Luther mansion. So in the end of the episode, we get to see... Gim and I techno out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember whether or not she looks like the partially robot-controlled version of the character from Superman 3. It looked a little weak, but I thought pleasantly weak. It was it was amusingly in its sort of 80s sci-fi techno-robot skin look. I thought she looked like a Terminator or Doctor Doom. A little. I just have one more note about uh, Eve, which is that it seems... Extremely disturbing and stupid for her to have tried to use the image inducer to make herself look like Lillian. I guess that's what she was going for, and Lex was understandably put off by that. (laughs) This was the reference to the fact that she used an image inducer to pretend to be Margot was what uh, Lex did to set Margot up. So so Margot never said any of those things, and that was all uh, even an image inducer looking like Margot to give Lex an excuse to kill Margot. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for clearing that up. I was trying to figure out what was going on there and uh, didn't catch it. There was a lot in this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, does anyone have any other points they want to discuss? I'm a little curious how much the episode paid for the David Bowie song, but uh, it, it, it did work well. I don't know. It might have been just for just for broadcast, not for permanent, but it's on streaming. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I was thinking it might have been only a temporary license in which you wouldn't have to pay much. I would expect shows no longer do that, but uh, I don't actually know. You can see what it looks like when the season finally shows up on Netflix. Okay, Alan, did you have any other points you wanted to discuss about the episode? The one other quick thing I had is that during a worldwide disaster, Obsidian's marketing plan was to have everyone put on their VR lenses and stay put in the middle of an obvious disaster zone. And it was odd how many people would do it like if the sun was blocked out and there could be like some sense of impending doom would you not run away instead of staying there and closing your eyes that was absolutely the most sad scene in the episode yes everyone potentially seeing doomsday about to happen so they all just go off and hang out in vr waiting for it to end that was very sad <laughs> i guess hopefully if they had seen tidal waves coming at them or uh, a forest fire or something like that, they might have reacted in a more constructive way. But I guess if you're seeing the sun get eaten by a giant monster, <laughs> there's not much you can do about it. But yes, it would be better, you know, you'd think if they would go and hug their loved ones one last time. Or at least have them run away to a bomb shelter before you put on your VR lenses. <laughs> well, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> maybe that farmer on the inspector did not have a bomb shelter to go to. Yeah, probably has a barn though. But yes, it was it was a rather disturbing scene to see. Uh, just reminding us one more time that the show thinks that VR <laughs> is a bad idea. <laughs> I'll throw one other small super science thing out, which was, I have difficulty seeing how a hydrogen bomb would negatively affect something that eats suns. Indeed. <laughs> I don't, I have no idea what they were trying to say there. Made no sense, but whatever. Th again, this was an entirely perfunctory baddie of the week. It was nice seeing Megan again, just to mention that we get to see her again, mm -hmm. but absolutely inconsequential. Yeah, I hope she comes back in some way. I like her as a character. I liked her too. In Watsonian terms, it makes sense that she's still busy on Mars with the the Resistance or whatever stage they're in right now. But um, it's uh, she she was a good character, and I was sad to see her go. And I certainly would not mind some more guest appearances from her. We can but hope. Okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. I would like to thank The Incomparable for hosting our show. And, uh, of course, I'd like to thank both of you for another information, for another interesting conversation. And it was great, Alan, for you to be back on the show. Thanks for having me back. This was a lot of fun. I've missed this. Good. I mean, maybe that means you'll be back some more. <laughs> yeah, well, if things continue, I will continue to watch the episodes as they air. So, yeah, I'd love to be back. Great. And David? I'm always happy to be here. <laughs> always good to talk with you. Okay. Um, I would also, of course, like to thank our listeners. 
If you would like to continue the conversation with us, follow at SG Supercast on Twitter, or you can talk with us on several <laughs> of the subchannels on the Incomparable Members Slack group. Right, well, we're obviously rushing toward the end of the season, and we hope that things ultimately will wrap up in a satisfying way. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.